years, 6,000 years have passed. Now judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of his age, feels too smart to believe. Pray their future for the last. Blinded by sin, they call you to join them all into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for being so merciful. Thank you, Father, for being a father of a thousand chances to get it right. And we probably never will get it right, but we'll keep on trying, Father. We praise you for being so merciful. We thank you for choosing us before the foundations of the earth for a time such as this. We will never understand why. <laughs> probably not. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe at the marriage supper. We'll have to wait and see. But we just thank you, Father. We, we praise you for, for your blessings. Because when we look at the things that are happening around the world, Father, it's horrible. There are terrible things happening to people all over the world right now, and it's not even being touched by any of the news sources hardly at all, except for a few that perhaps we touch upon or other, maybe some other radio shows touch upon here and there. But we just praise you, Father, for the comparative um, – blessings that we have you know uh, some of us probably have a full stomach right now we may have food in the refrigerator we may have a little bit of extra pet food uh, we may have some extra stuff stored up in wherever it is we store things uh, you know it's a blessing father because we're seeing the things that are happening across the world right now and they are I can clearly see at least in my own heart and feel in my own heart the um that whole thing that you were saying, Jesus, where you said um, that, you know, these are the beginning of sorrows. When I pull myself back into the radio show mode and I get, you know, I uh, break away from my hiatus, uh, my mental hiatus that I try to take to keep my head together. Father, I just praise you. But when I start to look at those headlines and I see the ever increasing intensity of 
the things that are happening that are so utterly bad. There's so many of them. And, and Jesus, you touched upon every single one of them in Luke 21, Matthew 24, and Mark 13. We see the metaphorical uh, uh, representation of them in, in the seals uh, of Revelation 6. Uh, praise you, Father. We've been talking about these things on this program now and warning people, even in the very write-up of the program that is uh, you know, kind of an, a repetitive script that uh, we include in uh, the marketing emails and everything. It, it, it said, you know, we're diving headfirst into the, the, you know, the Revelation chapter 6 and the seals, period. And, Father, we're seeing it actually for the first time ever. I mean, it, it's been unfolding now for some time, but really infinitesimally small, tiny baby steps. And there was always, Father, there was always this dynamic where it, it, it would go away and everything would seem to be just fine. And you would wonder, well, my goodness, what's happening here? Why, why, why isn't anything progressing? And, you know, it, and it would be it was befuddling, absolutely befuddling. But now uh, it's so steady. And it's getting steadier and steadier, more predictable, more – the the darkness, the end times, the the thing, the Olivet Discourse, the warnings that you gave us, Jesus, there's really just no – it's hard for us to grasp. We praise you, Father, but it's hard for us to even grasp – thank you, Jesus – how people cannot see it. There are some that are. And we just praise you for that. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will help each and every one of us be able to see our fellow brothers and sisters on a level playing field. And what I mean by that is no matter what country they're from, no matter what belief system they were born and raised amidst, no matter what churchianity version they of the 33,000 different ones that are out there plus, that we're all part of that body and that we need to – have an anointing from you, Father, because it could only that kind of love could only come from you. And that anointing that we're requesting, we're beseeching you for, Father, is a love that is so intense that we recognize that that our fellow brothers and sisters in all of the hundreds of countries that are out there uh, have yet many of them have yet to awaken, or they're at some place in their awakening that is just teeny weeny little baby steps. And we want every one of them to get on the boat. We, you know, let's call it the boat, the ocean liner uh, for the Church of Philadelphia. We don't want one of them to be left behind on this burning, nuclear, horrific, uh, alien invasion-filled, horrible. I mean, the words – there really aren't English words that can describe how bad things are going to be in the Great Tribulation. There really, truly aren't, and 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 almost all of it is described metaphorically, and uh, and and there's so much guessing. Nobody really knows. And people that think they know are going to be in for an awful big surprise. And Father, we just praise you for choosing us. We don't understand it. We ask you for more strength. We ask you for, uh, you know, just an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon each of us that we can start uh, in our walk, in our sanctification process, to be able to be very focused on those who are running from the burning planet and wanting desperately to jump on that boat, that big boat of the Church of Philadelphia. And Father, let our hearts be, let our hearts be compassionate toward all of those, who, regardless of what their belief systems, regardless of how many times they've said something, uh, you know, believe that they were prophesying in your name, Father, but we're missing. No matter who they are, no matter what their belief systems are, no matter what, they are still our brothers and sisters, no matter what country they're from. 
And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you will awaken as many as you possibly can throughout through whatever trials, tribulations, difficulties, earthquakes, uh, famines, wars, rumors of wars, whatever it takes, that they will run ever so much faster as they begin to awaken and jump even at the last minute onto that boat. I just praise your name, and I thank you, Father. Help us not to get discouraged. Help us not sad. Help us not to feel sorry for ourselves, which is very hard not to do. And, Father, we just praise you and thank you. Thank you for our awakening. Thank you for drawing us in closer. Thank you for helping us find the way. Praise you, Father God, for every little bitty, teeny, weeny thing that we have been so blessed to be able to do to prepare for the days that we have that we're getting jettisoned into. Uh, uh, on a weekly basis, even when things start to look like they're getting back to normal in some aspects of life, there are other things that are happening that are out of the purview. They're out of the eyesight that people just don't see them. They're so busy with their jobs. They're so busy with whatever it is that they just do not see. They do not see. And, and, and I guess it should be, your will be done. We praise your name and we thank you for your will. We just ask you to give us the compassion of Jesus that we can touch other people, pray for other people, pray for the lost, many of which are part of our brothers and sisters even today. And we just pray that they will, every one of them, every single one that we can possibly rescue from this planet that's about to catch on fire. Oh, Lord Jesus, every one of them that we can bring along with us, let us bring them along. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow. Uh, I I really do want to get into the news rapidly tonight, uh, and primarily on account of what I was praying about. Uh, 
Um, I had a brother who I was talking to in Belgium, uh, and we talk a lot, and I pray for him and his family frequently. And um, he was, you know, kind of depressed. You know, he gets depressed a lot. Um, life is uh, taking its toll on him. And uh, for, you know, he, he, I mean, really quite, quite honestly, I mean, you know, if I were to be his friend there, I would see every reason for him to be depressed. I, I see reasons for all of us to be depressed. Um, I really do. I, I, I get it. I get it. I totally do. I think I get it probably better than a lot of people do. And that may be because not, I'm not saying that I'm, believe me, I'm not saying anything special about myself because that is absolutely false. I do not believe that. As a matter of fact, I believe if, it, I, you know, I'm, pro, I'm bringing up the rear at the very best and holding onto the bumper for dear life, that, uh, you know, the bumper, uh, uh, you know, maybe of the, of the boat, <laughs> of the, of the little dinghy, uh, of the dinghy, right? <laughs> Kids, the dinghy. <laughs> that, that uh, maybe drops us off over at uh, uh, on the church, you know, on the on the boat, you know, that we'll call it the uh, ocean liner called the Church of Philadelphia. How about that? But yeah, I, that's, I use that in, that analogy, if you will, for him. You know, I he he he, he I forget I, the conversation was long. It was drawn out. I don't have time tonight to go into the entire length of it all. But basically, I was trying to help him understand, brother. You know, we're we're all going through kind of like a balut suck factor twelve point five. You know, on a scale of one to eight or whatever. Um, you know, and there's there's some of us that are doing good. Some of us that are just supremely blessed by God, we uh, were very, very blessed to be able to retire. You know, some of us have been very, 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 very blessed to be able to retire. But I will tell you, uh, the the forces of darkness are going after the retired people's money. Um, let me give you an example. For example, one person that I spoke with uh, said that uh, they got a letter from the Social Security office. You're going to love this. Got a letter from the Social Security office here in the United States of Babylon the Great, and um, the letter said, oh, uh, we are uh, notifying you officially that we have overpaid you over X number of time, and uh, because uh, we overpaid you, we are going to cut off your Social Security. That's exactly right. So this particular individual uh, had their Social Security completely cut off, literally. No way to buy food, no way to keep on the electric, none, none of that. Now, in this particular case, this particular person was blessed because they had a husband, and the husband had some retirement funds. So the absence of that social, social security check okay, uh, wasn't the end of the world for them. How many millions and millions and millions of other people are, is this happening to? See, the forces of darkness have a way to get to everything. They really do, and they will. And it will be bad. And I honestly believe with all of my heart, and I am not looking forward to it, because as we get deeper in, as, as my proverbial, uh, you know, what do you, analogy, analogous, um, you know, uh, beat up old VW microbus, uh, is, you know, representative of my journey uh, in sanctification, waiting for Jesus to come, you know, as it's pulling into that parking lot called the period of sorrows. You know, I, I'm finding it, you know, it, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And I, so many people, I mean, I have believers that are so close to me and they're so overwhelmed with their own problems, okay? And I, yes, I'm stuttering because I don't know how to put it into words that it's gentle enough because you just, it, it's so hard to articulate it. They're so utterly overwhelmed with their own life problems within their family, within their health, whatever it may be, that they are oblivious. 
they're literally oblivious. They don't listen to this program a lot and lots. I'm not saying there's anything naughty about not listening. No, of course not. But I'm just saying that if you if you subjected yourself to what I subject myself to, which is the news, the apocalyptic news uh, that you know, which I believe is the the best of the best apocalyptic news. I really do believe that because the people that are sending it to me are smart. They have uh, news sources from all over the world. All over the world, it's not – the news that we talk about here on this program is not limited. It's not just one or two news media. It's about 50, okay? And, and then what we do is we go through and we sample the best of the very, very best, the most apocalyptic of all. And when you, take, when you use that methodology to focus on those news headlines and you analyze those in, uh, in their uh, – you know – you, you analyze them against the Holy Bible, and you also analyze them against prophecies, dreams, and visions that you have collected over years and years of time and stuff like that. It, it, you, not only do you learn something new all the time, but you are a little bit almost too intimate with the happenings and goings on on the world. And when I say too intimate, what I'm saying is that if you are – it's, it's kind of a blessing. It's, I don't want to use the word curse, but it's like a blessing and a hyper-challenge, a human hyper-challenge to be able to keep your, your heart okay, to not be crying and bawling your eyes out, to see the things that are happening. I mean because really it can overwhelm you. But most people are so overwhelmed with their life situation, and I am talking about our fellow brothers and sisters. They're so overwhelmed with their life situation, whether it be their work or whatever problem or trial or tribulation that the Lord is allowing to come down. But I believe with all of my heart that our Father wants us to be in a bit of disarray. I, I really believe that because it, what happens is it brings you to a place of utter surrender. And until you get to that place of utter surrender, you're not really where the Lord really – God needs us to be there. I have in my collection of prophecies, dreams, and visions that is over – well over 11, 12, 13 – oh my gosh, really, when you think about it. Goodness gracious, it could be 15, 20 years of stuff because some of the stuff I heard about long before I started the program. But anyway, the point is when you look at all of that information collectively as an aggregate sum total telling of where we are right now in the biblical end times timeline events we you know could we have a whole bunch of more years you know a handful of years left yeah and and um and and i do, do i dread that oh are you kidding me i absolutely dread it um you know but you know we're always battling as apostle paul said we're battling with our flesh we're battling it you know with the uh you know it says in second corinthians 10 verse 5 you know to hold every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That, that's a pretty wowy statement sort of a thing, you know? That's like Shazam powerful, you know? Uh, because it's like to hold every thought? Wow! I mean, that requires a some kind of a supernatural anointing, particularly in these times. That's why I'm, uh, you know, it, it, it's mind-bending. It's, it's just befuddling. It's like, you're, uh, I like the word spified because that word implies that you're so blown away that you can barely form a, a, a sentence. You can hardly speak. And that's really where we're coming to for those of us who are awake and aware and are uh, blessed by the Lord, uh, for, you know, if you want to call it a blessing. I suspect there's probably people out there that have listened to this program and said, whoa, that is too deep and dark for me, man. I'm going back to my uh, Seven Mountains friends. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my seven mountains friends and all that kind of thing, you know, to get away from, you know, because it is, it, if you're not prepared for it, it, you'll go into a state of emotional rejection. You'll, you'll go into de denial. 
And you and people are s- super hungry. I mean, they're famished for normalcy right now. So much so that uh, I see all these di- – like, like, for example, at my workplace, everybody is like, what pandemic? All the – as a matter of fact, I had a conversation with some other folks. It was my daughter and her husband, and they, all the promises that, that – that, that, we'll just call it corporate America have made to the people you know, about, hey, yeah, you can continue to work remotely if you want and all that kind of stuff. They're taking them back. They're, they're yanking you – know, but what's new, right? I mean corporate America, they're the most lying people on the entire planet. I mean it's just absolutely horrible, but that's how it is. And that's why those of you who are retired, uh, you know, and in in good shape in that regard, at least for the time being, are so utterly blessed. Because I can tell you that in my workplace, people have utter, it's like what pandemic? What are you talking about? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a small handful that I have conversations with, and they know, and I'll, I'll like hint around. They'll start to touch. They'll, they'll graze the surface in a conversation or a statement that they make about the things that are going on in the world. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll jokingly say something like, well, you don't want to pull that string. I'm the world's biggest conspiracy theorist, and I'll just go ha 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 and laugh it off. And I'll wait and see what they, how they respond to that. You know, before it, uh, you know, I, I, I can tell that way whether or not they're willing or interested in having a, a, a but I can't, I can't tell them everything. Of course not. So we're all sort of in that situation. Some of us are dealing with it with our families. Uh, you know, uh, some of us are, de- it, it's, it's, it's so diverse. It's so diverse. Um, you know, all of us are living our own little strange paradoxical lives and we're de- trying our best to keep it together we're seeing the the world fall apart but that at the same time you got to i had to tell my my buddy Tramil in, in belgium i said you know he started out by do we do i have to go to church and you know seeing that he's from europe and that that's really just almost all those church not all not all there are certain places in Europe where they have, you know, uh, Seventh-day Adventist churches. They have some Pentecostal and Assembly of God here and there. But for the most part, the general – I'd say about 90 to 95 percent of the population that calls itself Christian is an offshoot of the Roman Catholic Church. And so they're befuddled. I mean their friends and the other people that go to church, they're telling them, oh, no, hey, man, if you're not coming to the building, if you're not going to that church building, you're going to hell. So, of course, he's deeply troubled because he's working double jobs and his, his challenges with his family. You know, we're all going through stuff like that, right? Amen. And so, um, uh, you know, so he, he's like freaking out because people are telling him he's going to hell because he's not going to the building. And I'm like, bro, bro, the, 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 the first build, according to a teaching of Chuck Misler, which I value very much, and he, the guy was a genius. I mean, I don't agree with everything that he believed, uh, and I know the fact that some of the things that he taught were incorrect, but that's okay. Some of the things that everybody teaches are incorrect. I mean, if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet, as they ought to know First Corinthians 8, too. Praise God. All right? But, but some of this stuff, boy, he nailed it. I mean, he literally hit the ball so hard out of the park, it bounced off of several other stadiums in different states and then rolled into the ocean. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, and I praise God for, for the, you know, because, because that, that's kind of like where we all want to be. And in one of his teaching, it, it had to do, and I don't think it was just him, but it was also, uh, Walter Veith, same, same dynamic, by the way, that when he hits the ball out of the park, he hits the ball out of the park, but when he misses, he misses, you know, strikes out totally, but that's okay. That's how we all are. Um, praise God. So, um, uh, you need, you need to be blessed enough, you know, through your own being a good Berean, Acts 17, 11, and search the scriptures daily to see if it is so. Right? Amen? And if, and I, I've, I've met so many people, oh my goodness gracious, and they're like, I've read that a thousand times, I don't see that there. 
The problem is you have to make the journey. You have to make the journey. And you're not going to – the first time you read it, ain't going to see it. Second time you read it, ain't going to see it. Tenth time you read it, ain't going to see it. You need the prerequisite understandings to go to the next level. And if you have bah humbugged any of the prerequisite understandings that you need to be able to go to the next level of understanding, then guess what? You're stuck. You might as well take Gorilla Glue and put it on the bottom of your sneakers. You're done for. You're done. I'm not saying you're going to hell, but you're not going to learn anything else. That's just how it is. And that's where churchianity wants to hold people. They want to hold them right there so that they can pump the collection plate. Now, I'm not saying they're all bad. But I'm just saying as a general rule, particularly today, it's pretty bad. It's about as bad as it could possibly be. And he's like stressing out and all oh, he's just – and I'm like, brother, the first church, the first actual building that they built that was dedicated for the purpose of being a church, according to a teaching of Chuck Misler, and I forget, forget which one it was. I believe it was him. It might have been backed up by another teacher because I studied, oh, my gosh, for years under Misler and Walter Veith and the DVDs and CDs and stuff. I mean, uh, so I'm taking notes and Mead notebooks until my fingers were purple and indented, um, uh, you know, because I was so utterly hungry, the word truth, but I wanted to learn more and more and more and more and more and more. And, the more, and, and, and then it was never enough. It was never enough. It was never enough, never enough, and it still isn't enough. I can't get enough. I love the Lord. I, I know I'm imperfect, I, but, but I want to know more. I want to know more. I think, that, I think that once you open up that Pandora's box, and that may be a bad analogy, whatever, but just work with me here. Once that's open, once you go, wow, that's an incredible mystery. You want more mysteries, but the problem is it can become an obsession. You have to balance. Everything has to be balanced out. Everything has to be balanced out. And anyway, so I told Jamil, I was like, brother, you know, the first church, the first building church wasn't until 300 AD. Do the math. That's like 200 or over 100 years. We'll just say that. Well over 100 years after all the apostles had passed away, that the very first church building was built. Imagine that. Imagine that. So um, anyway, so I explained that to him, and I was like, you know, brother, I said, I know you're depressed. I know you're dealing with a lot. you got a lot on your plate. We all do. It's, a, it's miserable. Hey, 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 man. But I told him, I said, bro, please look at it. Just change your perspective. Please try to imagine yourself. Try as hard as you can to imagine yourself standing on a oh, – oh, you know what the best movie is to, to, uh, to, uh, to capture this visual is the, is the scene in the movie um, War of the Worlds where, uh, um, uh, where they're running, the little, the little kids and, and their dad, you know, are running for their lives to get away from and, – and everybody's running. I mean there must have been, I don't know, I guess wild guess, maybe 8,000 people on the, on the pier. And they're all running for this boat. They want to get away from these terrible, horrible, you know, space alien monster things. You know, and then and, and, and they're like coming up over the hill and the people are freaking out and they're running and they're just running as fast as they can. And they're pushing and they're shoving and they're climbing over one another and they're ready to kill one another to get on that boat. That boat. Imagine how blessed we all are to be on that boat. Now, granted, some of us may be scraping some barnacles here and there, okay? You know, I mean, but you're on the boat, man, okay? You got to get that. You really got to get the fact that you're on the boat. You really do. 
The rest of it is praising your way through all of the trials and tribulations, praising and thanking Jesus for helping you get through whatever it is, whatever your addiction is, whatever the thing is that you're having a hard time. Be determined. Be disciplined. Be a disciple. Fight the fight. Overcome. Uh, you know, uh, persevere. Praise God. Praise him. Praise him. Lord, I am not there yet, but I praise you because I know I'm going to be there yet. I know I'm going to be on the bridge of that boat. I know I'm going to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ. I believe that I, you know, now, now don't allow, allow the devil to trick you into thinking that you've arrived. Always be the, the, the tax collector in the parable of the, the Pharisees and the tax collector. Always have a contrite spirit, contrite heart. But think of yourself standing how blessed you are to be on that boat while those creatures are coming over the hill. And they're going to kill all 8,000 of those people that didn't make it on that boat. Where is your compassion? Where is my compassion? Where is all of ours? And you know what? Really, if you if you get sucker punched by churchianity, you're I don't know what's going to happen to you. Because I honestly believe, and I get testimonies on to this to this. You know, uh, uh, people tell me they, they they say I I'm always out there talking to people. I'm always blessing them and telling them you know uh, Jesus is coming. Jesus, you know that kind of thing. Whatever their calling is, and um, they. Every one of them agrees that the unbelievers are far more grateful. I mean, many times a magnitude more grateful than the believers. The believers are kind of like, hey, man, no Solomon's Temple, no pre-trib rapture. This is just a burp, uh, and uh, I'm going to go back to sleep, and and you know, and I'm going to go back and listen to you know, sister or, or brother so and so for their next prophecy because it's always very positive and very uplifting and very this and very that and very pillow prophecy. All right, but anyway, and people are going to miss. I don't know what it is they're going to miss because there's what quadrillions of people. I don't know how many people are out there. I don't know. I mean, you know, we have that. You know, the 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 estimations that say that the world population is somewhere around eight point three bil- uh, billion right now. Uh, but um, it, it the, the the global dynamics, the birth rate, uh, you know, the the, the move the movement of people across the world right now, uh, running from horrible situations and and importing themselves and whatever, becoming expats and moving into different countries, and and then there's people protesting. I don't want them here. I don't want them here. And there's haters out there that have you know got swastikas tattooed on their bodies and they want them killed and all this other craziness. And it's all happening right now. But you know we're only in the very beginning of it all. I know you're saying, no, please don't say that. Please don't say that. Please don't say that. Please don't say that. But, you know, but really in the grand scheme, unless our Heavenly Father has decided to – and he could have. He can. He is our Father. And um, and I, I know that we would all like to believe that we're going to get, you know, we're going to hear that trumpet. Ba-da! We're going to be like, oh, we're out of here. Hallelujah. You know, and, and especially those of us who understand the concept of the first watch, second watch, third watch, barley harvest, wheat harvest, grape harvest, when we understand there's multiple rescue missions, that gives us even more hope that we could hear that trumpet, you know, sound and that we could be evacuated out of here. But I still powerfully, 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 powerfully believe, and I could be wrong, but I powerfully, powerfully believe um, that – uh, Obama is going to be uh, – that Satan is going to incarnate into the body of, of Obama, as sick and twisted and evil as he is right now, and, he, and he's full of demons. There's no doubt about it. He's a demoniac. He, he, him and his – I don't even want to go there. He's a demoniac. He's got myriads of dark demons inside of him, but he's not the only one. It, it, it's so many. And um, and but he doesn't have Satan incarnated into his body yet. I believe that's going to happen. But here's the thing: 
how long? I mean, how long could I live without my uh, without any uh, retire, <laughs> retirement funds? You know what I'm saying? Because I thought Jesus was coming. What I need him for? And then there were people out there that were, you know, geez, you know, hey, the rapture's going to happen next week. You need to, to liquidate your bank accounts and give it all to the Lord right now. I mean, I, I remember I can name the names of the people that were saying that. Many of them, you know, supposedly being taken to heaven multiple times. So, um, you know, again, I, I, you know, all I can say is when I look, unless our Heavenly Father makes a choice, he calls an audible and he says, enough is enough, which he can do, because he can take all the prophecies, dreams, and visions that have been spoken forth over the last, you know, decade plus or 15 years or more, going, you know, back hundreds of years if he wants, and he could take the whole portfolio of them, the whole Encyclopedia Britannica of all prophecies, dreams, and visions, and he could take it and say, eh, I'm not going to do any of these things. Throw it into, you know, Gehenna, the lake of fire if he wants. And then we got a whole nother game, you know, then, you know, what do we say? What do we do? What do we plan for? What do we expect? Well, we don't know. All I know is that the one way that we can remain truly grateful, truly praising God and meaning it from the bottom of our heart, no matter how much ugly we're dealing with in our own lives, which, by the way, is certainly, you know, it's Satan. He's buffeting us. He's doing everything he possibly can to, to knock us off of our game. That's his job. That's what he's trying to do. But you know what? To those of us who are on the boat, what does that make us do? Hey, we're on the boat. We just hold on tighter. That's what we do. We hold on tighter, we buckle ourselves in, but we're on the boat. We may not be perfectly standing, you know, straight up. We may be slipping and falling and, you know, popping our heads against the side of the bulkhead or whatever now and then as the boat's moving to the left and, you know, whatever, but we're on the boat. Hallelujah, we're on the boat. Thank you, Jesus. We're not looking for some temple to be built in Israel, walking around thinking, well, it can't be now because uh, I was trained to believe that this, that, and the other thing, and this is just how it is. That's what my preacher told me. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, uh, we are definitely going to – I don't want to hold up Brother Gary, so I'm just going to – kids, please work with me. You're great, Jesus, kids. Oh, I know. Okay, real quick. Why do bananas use sunscreen? Because they peel. Okay. Oh, is that all right, kids? Is that working? Oh, oh, goodness gracious sake. Still alive. All right. All right, one more. Kids, why did the birdie go to the hospital? For a tweetment. Okay. How about that? Does that work all right for you guys? All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. And on that note, let's go ahead and uh, enter into the news because uh, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. I hope I can get through it all. All right. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. <laughs> Game over. All right, praise God. Listen to this. This is a little snippet from Glenn Beck, and it is sobering. These are the kind of things that we don't, you know, if we're dealing with our own life issues and we're grabbing a little snack of the news when we can barely find the time to do it, you're going to miss all this stuff for sure. 
I, I can I can name names. I am I am exposed to a lot of people, and I am telling you, folks, you know, people are going to miss. All right, here we go. Listen to this. So I want to go through a couple of a couple of things. First of all, there is real problems in China. Uh, China is still closing everything down, and their society is collapsing. Shanghai, there are stories now, and it's amazing because these are Americans that live in Shanghai. And in the story that was, uh, I can't remember, it was an American journal, they did not want to be identified in fear of repercussions. And what they're saying is, as soon as this lockdown's over, I'm out of here. I love the quote from one of them uh, that said, uh, the problem with this is there's no one to turn to for help. Bingo. Now you understand the problem with an all-encompassing government. Whenever they decide they're going to do something, there's no one to turn for help. Who's going to help you? Are you going to call the police? Because that's the government. Are you going to call the politician? Because that's the government. Are you going to call the military? Because that's the government. Are you going to call the media? Because that's the government. So it's, it's falling apart badly, and the ships that are stuck in port and trying to get into port Unlike anything the world has ever seen, this is much worse than it was with COVID. Remember when we couldn't get anything? Now it's causing all kinds of problems, and we are just at the beginning of this story. Um, This is an epic black swan event. Uh, And with the war in Ukraine and the bird flu pandemic, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to that, but that's causing real problems here in the United States. Uh, and this is this is assuming now that in the next 12 months, there are no natural disasters. We are now facing the worst global food crisis since World War II. I want you to think about this. The worst food crisis since World War II. This is a problem. Senator um, uh, Roger Marshall said that we are going into a worldwide famine and quote, it is definitely going to happen. Now, let me just give you a couple of things that just, you know, the low hanging fruit here so you can understand what's coming. You're going into the grocery store. Have you noticed that there's not empty shelves, but they're, they're not as full as they usually are? If you've noticed that, you might have noticed that in the canned dog food. Canned dog food is, there's starting to be a shortage in America of canned dog food. Not going to be able to get it. Why? A couple of reasons. Chicken and turkey, because of the Asian flu, now going through our bird population, which we are just slaughtering turkeys and chickens left and right. Um, You can't get cheap food for your dog. You can't get the chicken and the turkey for the dog food. Plus... There's an aluminum can shortage. There's a shortage of aluminum. Those two things are only going to get worse. Now, if you also are heading into summer, wherever you live and there are pools around, try buying chlorine. You're about to see a growing problem with chlorine. The pandemic is not the problem this time. This is Hurricane Laura in late 2020. It, 
it leveled the facilities of a major chlorine manufacturing plant in Louisiana. 40% of all of our chlorine is made at that plant. Well, that was two years ago. But why isn't that plant back online? Because of the building supply shortage. They can't get it back online because they don't have the supplies they need to rebuild it. There's also the baby for, uh, formula shortage that is continuing and getting worse. Have you tried to buy bulk food? Uh, you know, uh, I kind of hang in the circles of preppers, and, uh, and my church is big on this. You try to go to, they're always like, we got food, we got food, don't worry. We, you can just come get food and buy the food here at cheap price. You can't buy it. You can only buy it in limited supplies now. That is remarkable. Rice is going to go up. Rice is going to go way up. The food shortages are going to get worse, and we will feel them here. Over in Europe, they're already rationing cooking oil because of the Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian war. Inflation, supply chain, shortages of energy, food, raw materials, and labor are all going to accelerate this. Uh, and the war is only going to make things worse. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe. Okay, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now, you know, I could sit here and explain all that, and I have mentioned it gazillions of times, but I love it when um, I can confirm it, and it's done eloquently and well. And uh, his Glenn was able to articulate most beautifully, most uh, articulately, uh, the uh, the supply chain domino effect. Okay. And evidently, the shipping container problem, you know, the ship, the, the huge uh, Maersk liners and stuff like that, you know, the, the, the ship's backed up and that's not solved yet. And it's getting worse. In fact, uh, I have an article here about um, the uh, zero COVID policies in China are locking down port cities that are now preventing them to export anything. So that's going to aggravate an already – I mean, it's a perfect storm situation. And um, But anyway, I, 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 I digress. I'm going to keep moving forward through the program because there's so much more to add. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and praise God. I'm going to play this next bit, uh, audio bite or whatever. And this is from Fox Business, and this is the actual CEO of the Goya Food Corporation. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Goya Foods uh, that may be because you have, I don't know, but I, here in Florida, they're very popular. There are, you know, because of the amount of Latinos that live here, we have entire um, a grocery store aisles that are dedicated to nothing but Goya Foods. Now, listen to what he says, okay? And this is just a few days ago, all right, um, a handful of days ago. This is the CEO of Goya Foods Incorporated. Listen to what he says. Here we go. You see inflation today. Good to see you, Maria. We are on the precipice of a global food crisis. God created humanity. Humanity has created every way to destroy itself from nuclear, biological, chemical. But now we've waged a war. We've weaponized food. In the Ukraine, between the Ukraine and Russia, 
They represent 50% of the world's production of fertilizer, 30% wheat, 20% corn, 2.5 million acres of sunflowers, other uh, food and, and minerals. They also have sand for fracking, sand for glass. And, you know, they, they have, with Russia's doing with their land bridge, they're also cutting off the Ukraine to the sea. They've taken Mariupol pretty much. Odessa is left. If they cut off Odessa, then they basically landlock the Ukraine and they can't export. They can't either plant. Uh, right now, when the planting season in southeast Ukraine, where all these products are grown, they've attacked irrigation systems, they've attacked uh, train systems, and they've sent millions of women and children into exile. But let me say that we have provoked, in a way, this war by showing an incredible uh, weakness around the globe and lack of resolve to protect the women, children, and the innocent. All right, I'm going to go ahead and stop there. Uh, anybody who's a regular listener of this show understands that there are duplicitous dynamics in play, but right now the West is intentionally the part that uh, so many are missing, and, and it's a shame, and it should bring tears to your eyes in prayer. Uh, um, but it's far worse than folks know. Okay, so we know because we know what the Bible says. We know because we know what Jesus warned, warned us about in the Olivet Discourse. We know, uh, you know, a lot more than uh, others do. And, we, and here's the thing. And I have uh, a prophecy that I hold very dear and believe it came directly from the throne room. It's absolutely – for so many different reasons. I could sit here for an hour and give you reasons, but I'm not going to. I don't have time. But uh, I will tell you that if you spend as much time in Holy Spirit tongue-speaking churches like I have over the years, you would have heard many, 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 many testimonies of people who are in very dark continents and deep, you know, desperate places. No food. None. None. And they would stand around the stove with an empty pot. And they would lay hands on the pot, they would hold, hold hands together, and they would pray together and say, Dear Heavenly Father, we have no food, and we are trusting and believing you to feed us. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. And they would go to bed and come downstairs, and that pot would be full of food. And I know you're like, no way. No, I'm telling you. Manna. Manna. See, where, where the Israelites really dorked it up is they complained about the manna after a while. They complained about everything, which, of course, that limits God. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel, uh, Psalm seventy-eight forty-one. We don't want to ever do that. We want to praise God. We praise him and we thank him because we know that he's going to fill that pot with food. I can't – David Ebal happened to him. Uh, I don't even remember the names of so many of the missionaries that have given testimony of these kinds of things happening. These and, – and, 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 uh, uh, and the prophecy from Wings of Prophecy that I hold dear. I know it came from the Lord. It said that you, you – you, it said in the prophecy, our Heavenly Father said, you cannot save up enough food to hold yourself through what's coming. That's, that was from God. I know it was from God because that is the level of testing that our Heavenly Father is going to bring us to. All right. We need to go through the hard times that we're going through right now. We need to because we need to go to a place that we are utterly surrendered to God. We totally believe in the word of God. We praise him in the worst possible case scenarios. And we believe we know that that pot is going to be full of food when we wake up the next morning. We know it because our father loves us. But if you doubt, what does it say in the second half of James, five, uh, James chapter 1, verse 5? What, is it, what does it say? See, here, here's the thing. A lot of people say, oh, no, Johnny, you're taking it out of context. No, I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. Uh, it's when you're in context that you miss the point. 
All right, I'm going to give you an example of that. James 1, verse 5. All right. If anyone lacks, lacks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liber- liberally and without reproach, and it will be given them. Okay? Now, I don't like to read the second half because I don't, I, I don't even want to think about it. I just want to believe, and that's that. I don't want anybody to give me any – don't inject any thoughts other than faith, believe, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But, you know, the Word of God does want us to, you know – Get the whole picture, right? So it's going to give us the negative battery uh, terminal, and it's going to give us the positive battery terminal. Hallelujah. Sometimes I just don't want to hear the negative battery terminal because I'm working on having that perpetual, endless, unshakable faith. But it does warn us. And by the way, this second part I'm going to read, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts, now say stop. Most people will say, well, you're taking it out of context. That only has to do with when you ask God for wisdom. Wrong, 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 wrong. When it says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he, because it says right here, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So if you're doubting when you're when you're standing around that pot at night, holding the hands of your family and your children, and you are trying your best to show faith, but in your deep in your heart you are doubting, let not that man think he's gonna receive anything from the Lord. Got it? So now is the time that we need to be drawing in. Now is the time that we need to be praising God when we're going through really horrible times. Now is the time we need to remember that we are on the boat and remember no matter how bad and ugly things get, thank you, Jesus, we're on the boat. All right, hallelujah. All right, now I'm going to go ahead to the next little tidbit here, and this is about um, I'm just it's it's about the vaccine mortality rate and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's from one of the uh, Infowars uh, fellows. I don't I don't follow them that closely, but I. Once in a while. All right. So anyway, so listen to this. There's the official line graph from your VAERS reporting website. Look at that anomaly. So we went from 200 vaccine deaths a year on the VAERS site to 20,000. How is this being ignored? How is this not one of the biggest stories of all time? How is Donald Trump still such a a, a jerk that he's going to say how great the vaccine is? Hey, you know what, Donald? You want to talk about getting the economy back open? You're still a fool because it should have never been closed. All right. I tip my hat. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well said. All right. Now, on that note, um, uh, you know, and in – I don't even want to go into the hows, the whys, the ifs, the whens, the narcissism. Uh, you know, maybe he was doing politically because he was told by other people what to do and this and the other thing, and he just doesn't – he's too prideful that he doesn't want to admit that he shouldn't have done this. But, of course, if he does, he has no chance at reelection. Dalla, 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 dalla. It's an absolute snowball running down a gigantic Swiss mountain in the middle of the winter. So you can't really decipher it. But what that means is that pretty much everyone's point is probably right. Uh, you know, yeah, hey, you're right, brother. You you got make a good point. Hey, sister, you make a good point. You're right. That's a good point. Oh, hey, you're and you and you and you and you and you, you all make a good point. But do we are we able to sift it out? What do we know? Well, we know he wasn't in church, but he was playing golf on, on uh, Resurrection Day. Praise God. All right, so anyway, thank you, Jesus, but I, I'm not going to get into all that. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's 
too much. It's multiple radio shows. All right, hallelujah. So I'm going to go ahead and read, uh, try to get through these headlines as quickly as I can so we can get Brother uh, Gary Wayne on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's probably listening by now, and I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to mow through these as fast as I can because there's so many of them. And I, there's just, it's just impossible. I need, they, they said at work, we need, we need to have like four of you. Uh, and I wasn't taking that as a compliment, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, it, it's, the ramifications of having somebody say that are, are not good. Uh, it, it means that you basically have to give up all sleep and just work 24 by 7. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So anyway, next one up. Polish, Polish households are left without gas. So Okay, I'm not going to get into the hows, the what's, and the why's, but it, it has to do with the sanctions. Why are the sanctions happening the way that they're happening? They're happening because we have Obama, who I believe with all of my heart is the Antichrist, and that Satan will incarnate into his body eventually. Uh, and, uh, and, and don't even get me going on the Owalu prophecies from 1990 or 1919, I believe it was. Uh, the son, it's also known as the Son of Kenya prophecy, and how a son of Kenya will rise up, take control of the United States, and utterly destroy it. Well, what is he doing right now? But it's not just the United States, it's the whole world, which is exactly what Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse. All the things that are happening right now, all these things that are being exacerbating, they're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. The domino effect is getting worse and worse and worse. And who's controlling it all for the most part? Well, so you got you got the House of Windsor, you got the Blue Bloods, you got the uh, Bilderberg Group, you got you know the but but it all trickles down through the global satanic crime syndicate, and then you got those who are actually calling calling the orders. Do this, do that. We all know that Biden doesn't have enough brain material functioning right now to be able to you know feed himself Oreos. I mean uh, Cheerios. All right. So anyway, uh, again, so who are the victims of the Russian uh, of the uh, Russian sanctions? We are. This is absolute. This is like a choreographed uh, Michael Jackson concert, but it's all choreographed against the Holy Bible. It's all unfolding literally as Jesus stated it would, and it's it's happening before our very eyes. Thank you, Jesus. We're on the boat. Thank you, Lord. We're on the boat. We should be praising God through this perfect storm like never before because we are on the boat. Hallelujah. All right. Next one up. Praise you, Jesus. We are. Oh, and uh, yes, I, I am not making this up. This is the next headline. We are sailing into a perfect storm, and it may hit us worse than anything that has ever come before it. And by the way, this is coming out of Al Jazeera News, out of Qatar, uh, and it's talking about the same stuff that you just heard articulated by Glenn Beck, articulated by uh, the, the, C, the CEO of Goya Food. I mean, folks, it, I'm not going to read it because why? You heard it. But the only thing that this particular article does is it starts – it mentions um, percentages of exports and foods and agri- ag- agricultural supplies, et cetera, et cetera, across the world. It's endless. I mean, it's a humongous article. It would take me two hours to read the whole article probably live on the show. And it's the same thing you just heard, essentially Glenn, Glenn Beck and the CEO from Goya say. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. All right, U.S. United States egg factory roasts alive 5.3 million chickens in an avian flu call before firing almost all of its workers. So there you have a double whammy, uh, a major contributor. And by the way, this 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 culling thing, uh, to, to Glenn Beck's point, it's global, and it's it's probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of turkeys and chickens. And this breaks my heart because I, I don't even I probably shouldn't say this, but you know we love our dogs, right? We love our cats, we love our pets, we love them. And I 
I'm going to have to start weaning my doggies off of their treat in the morning. They get they they get one can each of uh, you know pedigree meat based. You know uh, they call it uh, beef tips on rice or some weird thing like that. But the point is, I used to pay eight dollars ninety nine cents for twelve of these cans. Now for twenty four of those cans, I'm paying over thirty dollars by the time it gets to my house. It's more than double. And I've been watching it go up, and I've been thinking, like, whoa, man. I, you know, I, I figured – I didn't even – well, I didn't make the connection to the culling of the chickens because I really didn't think I, – I figured they were using some other kind of meat. I didn't know. But anyway, uh, I, I've been seeing this coming. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I, what, what does that mean? What are we going to do? I don't know. But I, we're going to have some sad pets, I can tell you that. All right, you can, you know, whatever. I know a lot of people that would probably save up, they'd be faster to save up extra pet food than they would be to save up extra people food because they love their pets so much. And I, I, I understand it. All right, hallelujah. Next one up. All right, headline reads, an estimated 38 million people have, 38 million Americans, which of course if it's Americans, is also everybody else in the world, have developed an autonomic nervous system disorder following COVID-19 infection, according to the experts, signaling a healthcare crisis. Guess what? They're only talking about this one particular thing they call uh it's very difficult to pronounce but it's dysautonomia okay and it's got a list of you know relatively well depending on the magnitude of it it could be very bad it, it literally keep you from working and kind of thing you know that kind of stuff but that's that's the tip of the iceberg folks that's like sitting on the iceberg that sat that sunk the titanic and scraping one snowflake off the top of that iceberg with a with a razor blade that's how infinitesimally small this is in comparison to the to the sicknesses and diseases and things that people are going to develop through um, AIDS. I mean, really, that's what it is. It's AIDS, uh, you know, immunodeficiency, and people are going to die. I, I I put up an article about that from a from a renowned uh, medical specialist two years ago on Tribulation Now. Well, everybody's debating it, you know, but I knew just I just knew in my spirit that the guy was nailing it. He was right. I knew it. And I put it right up on the website. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Trump Jr. Trump Jr. calls the Ukraine one of the most corrupt countries on the earth and says the United States should not give it any money. And all I can say is. (laughs) Hallelujah. At least somebody gets it. Next one up. World on the brink of a commodity shock, according to this particular headline. Food and energy prices are expected to soar, according to the World Bank. Well, how would they know? Would they have anything to do with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the uh, International Monetary Fund? Or No, no, they couldn't be in on it, could they? Next one up. Get this one, folks. First human case of avian influenza in the United States of America. So how many other places are there in the world that have human cases of avian influenza? In Colorado, this particular individual tested positive for the H5 bird flu. Hmm? All the while, big quadrillion-dollar corporate American billion-dollar boys club is saying, "Ah, nothing to see here. Full travel for everybody. See you at the company meeting. <laughs> oh, boy. Hallelujah. Next one up. And hang in there for me, Gary. I'm plowing through these as fast as I can. <clears throat> Chinese regime locks down world's largest wholesale hub under its zero COVID policy. Now, I want you to understand what's going on here. The two major places that China exports their massive containers, feeding the world, supplying the world, supplying suppliers with supplies that allow other suppliers to supply suppliers. Are you getting this? 
Both of those ports are shut down. Are you with me? Are you following along? Okay, next one up. All right, Epic Times reports rolling thunder in Ottawa. Convoy bikers leave Ottawa as police investigate hate-motivated graffiti on the side of a church. Uh, Snowflake. Next one up. Breitbart, Ukraine war increasing global food prices will hasten green transition. So everybody will hurry up and buy a Tesla. And then, you know, Elon Musk can buy out Facebook maybe. Wouldn't that be interesting? All right, next one up. Listen to this. A tick, a tick, a bug that makes, remember pestilence, famine, pestilence, famine, pestilence, famine, pestilence, famine. Okay. Tick that makes people allergic to red meat is, it it is now being found, guess where? Washington, D.C. Hmm. Where'd that come from? Maybe the Wuhan labs. Next one up. Germans suffer inflationary shock as prices uh, for some foods uh, surge and, and go into double digits. We're already seeing that here. I am, I am with my dog food. All right, next one up. Devastating tornado rips through Kansas. That's no surprise. It's going to get a lot worse. We're going to have a – do you think the weather – oh, the weather. <laughs> I don't even go there. That's another two-hour radio show with Planet X and everything else involved. All right, another headline. Listen, Bill Gates warned, seen the worst of COVID. Microsoft billionaire says that there is way above 5% of the risk of pandemic. Look, you know, the only reason and I paying attention to this demoniac is because he's in on it. He's part of the, the, the global satanic crime syndicate that is launching these bioweapons attack, attacks against mankind. And obviously, obviously our father is – we're, we're entering into the periods of judgments. Okay, and, you know, global. They're global. It didn't used to be global before, but the pandemic changed everything. And uh, again, I, 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 I could preach Second Thessalonians chapter two, you know, until he that restrains is taken out of the way. But look, he that restrains is not restraining, folks. The stuff is getting exponentially worse on a weekly basis. All right, next one up. Germany to support Russian oil embargo. I mean, the whole thing is just – look, I, I, I'm, I'm going to skip that report. There's the Disney weirdness that's going on. Uh, Finland is preparing to live without Russian gas. You know how cold it gets up there? See, it's, everybody's beating their chest and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to support – the. you know what? They're getting pressure. Austria, I tip my hat to Austria. Austria's like, hey, y'all can do whatever you want to do. We're buying. We're, we're, we're going to get some rubles, and we're going to keep warm. <laughs> you know? But, you know, if you saw how big and cold and frosty the mountains are in Austria, you'd probably be on there. You know? But Finland, any of these countries that are caving to the pressure of the you know, World Economic Forum and the, and the you know, global Nazi uh, you know, satanic crime syndicate, if they're, they're, they're in trouble because they don't realize what's happening has nothing to do with Russia has everything to do with them ushering in the great tribulation Russia Ukraine live news shilling of Mariupol's uh, as Ostal resumes blah 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 I could go on and on and on about that I'm not going to United States is training Ukrainian troops according to the Pentagon no surprises there for anybody who's staying in touch with what's happening listen to this Dutch dockers and these are the people that what they're talking about is the people that receive the ships are refusing to unload ships with Russian diesel cargo. So, again, the embargoes are on and blah, 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 blah. And who's getting hurt? The very people that are refusing. It's absolutely like Isaiah 29 says. And they will turn everything upside down. And that's exactly what we're going through right now. Chaos at Amsterdam's, uh, I can't pronounce it, airport due to uh, staff shortages. And I'm, I'm dreading my company going into full travel mode. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be horrible. Southwest Airlines had the best record of all of never, never, hardly ever having cancellations. Now they have the worst record. Uh, I can't get into all the mechanics of that, but it's 
not good. And they're my favorite airline. Now I'm like going to be forced. Oh, I, just, oh, I don't even want to think about it. All right. Germany refuses to pay for Russian gas and rubles. What's, who's going to suffer? <laughs> they they think they're cutting off the they're not they're accomplishing nothing, you know if you're here uh, anyway next next one up Washington Post the uproar over Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board so it's it's, it's leaking out that we're all being lied to is essentially the summary of that uh, and the list just goes on and on and on France just shut down fifty percent of their nuclear reactors amidst an energy crunch go Marcon, uh illuminati extraordinaire listen to this ford to halt production next week at their flat rock plant why because of microchip shortages ford shutting down plants beijing locals buy fridge stockpile they stockpile their fr- they're stockpiling their refrigerators they're standing in endless lines filling up their carts rushing on food should we be there's going to come a time when we got to believe in miracles. We got to believe in our manna. All right. Again, uh, the reports are just. Uh, and one more. I'll just throw this in there. Antarctica is so cold right now. It's a, over. It's like totally record setting. By the way, this was. Uh, We've done entire shows on this. We've talked about Planet X. We explained the the eccentricity of the orbit of the Earth. It's not just about the total of the Earth anymore. Now it's an eccentric orbit around the sun, how it aggravates it, how it creates incredibly cold winters and incredibly hot summers. We'll look at this. They're trying to blame it on. It's catastrophic climate change, but they don't talk about the root cause of it. Uh, in, in, in the book of Enoch, chapter 20, uh, 65, it says, And Noah had seen the earth had tilted and knew that destruction was near. Okay? 103, minus 103 degrees Fahrenheit in Antarctica. Eight days in a row. Eight days in a row. But things like this are happening all over the world. Okay, and on that note, I have eight up uh, ten minutes, and I'm sad that I did, but uh, you know, unfortunately, folks, things are getting insane, and I don't have two of me, so I just got to try to pound it out as fast as I can. And there's a whole bunch more, but let's go ahead and get Brother Gary to come on the program right now. I don't want to go any further. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we go. Hallelujah, Brother Gary. Let's bring him on live. Here we are. Thank you, Jesus. God. Brother Gary, are you there? I am, and I uh, really like the headlines again, and I was just sort of chuckling to myself about uh, what's going on in Antarctica and how that magically changes to climate change as opposed to global warming when they can't answer how the world is getting warmer that's causing all the weather problems, even though you've got places getting colder. It's just so, so no, it's, you know, it's, unbelie- it wasn't, it's unbelievable. Yeah, amen. It's mind-shattering. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. It is. If it wasn't, you know, if we weren't in the times that we were in, you know, this would be a laughing joke and, and anybody talking about these things or not talking about things as in let's not talk about Antarctica right now. Um, would they be run right out of their office, their position? They'd have no credibility, but yet they've got all the power today and they've got people so well prepared that they accept it and they nod their heads and then they're like lemmings who walk over the cliff because they've taken away the ability for the young people and many people that are out there more than just the young people to critically analyze and critically think so they don't ask 
you know, simple questions. And if they do, then they get, you know, cognizant dissonance and it's not a fun place to be in unless you're ready to deal with it. So it's just, Oh no, they go uh, into denial. You're right. It's a shock when they, you can't, it's like you have to, um, the analogy I would use is you, you almost like have to realize that you're dealing. I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but it's like, Giving a baby mushed food out of a baby jar, you know what I mean? You got to give them little teeny weeny bites, or else they'll choke and cough and puke and throw up everywhere. You know how it is feeding the baby, and that's what it's like when you're trying to witness to somebody. You cannot give them the whole story. If you give them the whole story up front, their mind will freeze. They'll go into denial and they'll go looking somewhere else because they'll figure you have lost your mind. <laughs> right? What? Yeah, they're 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 prepared to accept anything because accepting what we're talking about and what we're experiencing is just so mind shattering. I mean, I get it, but you just, I mean, am I talking logic or are they talking logic? And they just don't want to recognize that you're talking about facts. You're talking about what's happening today, what's happening in front of their eyes. They just don't want to deal with it. It's like that, you know, allegory in the, uh, in the matrix, you know, about taking the red pill or the uh, the blue pill, and then Cipher's the one who realizes, you know what? I don't want to recognize what's really going on. I want to be deceived, and that's the generation that has been well prepared for what is going on. Oh, a- amen. And it, it 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 I will say this. Here's your encouragement, folks. This has been my life. The just real quick, I'll just try to get this out. Uh, a couple of sentences. I have planted hard-to-swallow seeds to people in my family and others in my life. And, yes, they went into instantaneous denial. But I will also say this. Over a period of time, they became believers. Okay? So sometimes when they go into a – for example, the whole UFO phenomenon and all that kind of stuff, my family thought I was absolutely nuts. Oh, he believes in UFOs. There's something the matter with him. And now they're all telling everybody they're fallen angels. They're fallen angels. So they do come around, but it just takes them forever, you know? Yeah, yeah and I, I agree 100% with the approach. Is, is All we can do is make good logical cases and plant seeds in try and get them to think about when you start to see some of these things happening, maybe you'll start to wake up and say, Hey, maybe I have a better, better have a better look at what's really going on. But, you know, still, I'm, I'm so amazed that, you know, when they announced the department of uh, truth or disinformation and misinformation, as they're going to, to call it. And it's part of the Homeland security that people aren't in the streets saying you're not going to ruin our democracy they're saying yeah it's justified let's get on with it it's it's crazy it is it's it's very hard for me because i'm gridlocked into corporate america and i don't have a choice uh and so anyway if i did have a choice i would retire early and say i'm out of here but i'd still keep on doing the show but you know what i'm talking about but um no i don't have a choice and, and they're back you know what they're saying i'm talking about Gadzillionaire CEOs and all that, they're just coming out and telling everybody and thousands of thousands of people, they're just saying to them over Zoom meetings and stuff, they're saying, 
pandemic's over, we are in full travel mode, yay, and everybody's clapping and cheering, and it's like, oh, this is just great, but that's, there's, people are so myopic. Um, you know, I saw a statistic about people who live in Pennsylvania, I grew up there, that the vast majority of people in Pennsylvania rarely have gone further than 50-mile radius away from the place that's that they were correct. Yep. I'm yep. like, that's shocking! <laughs> you know? <laughs> It is, it is, and that, and then you don't get a good perspective. But uh, that's why we're out here trying to, you know, make some connections for people and uh, raise some curiosity. Hopefully, raise some eyebrows, but not scare them away, and try and get them to think about things. And you know, tonight we're going to talk about a couple chapters in my book that is designed to make you think about those things. And we're going to talk about probably a few things that you had in the headlines before before uh, I get through the whole presentation. So we're dealing with Chapter 29 and Chapter 30 from my book, The Genesis Six Conspiracy, How Secret Societies and the Descendants of Giants Plan to Enslave Humankind. And we're going to see those connections tonight. And the chapters are... Chapter 29, The Tower of Babel, and Chapter 30, The Original Great White Brotherhood. And believe me, they are connected, and we're going to walk you through it tonight. And just have you maybe take a step back and start to think about some things and maybe think about how we can start looking at what's going on today that is very, very similar to the Babel Syndrome that I like to call it. So I'm going to open with... um, a verse from chapter, uh, a couple of verses from chapter 11 that I use in the heading for chapter 29 entitled The Tower of Babel. And for people who might have listened to the show last month, we talked about Nimrod and a couple chapters on him. And this is a continuation of talking about Nimrod and how important he is to our generation. And so if you missed that show, and I don't get enough of the details without being redundant tonight in the last show, then you can go back maybe and pull up that other show and uh, have, a, have a closer look at it. So Genesis 11.1 1 through 11.4 has, um, uh, 11.6 has a number of things in it that are very, very important. And so I'm going to uh, um, read from uh, 11.6, and it is so appropriate to everything that's sort of going on tonight. But anyways, here's what it says in, in chapter 11, 6, because it's going to frame the conversation tonight. And it says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So nothing is new under the sun, and... What has been done is going to be done again, and probably already getting some mental images as to sort of the direction that the world is headed in that is very much Babel-like, and now we're going to shine a little bit more light on that for you. And what I find very interesting, you know, in the first six verses of, uh, of Genesis 11 is that they want to go and make a name for themselves. It's in chapter, I mean, verse 4, and it said, And they said, Go, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. 
they want to make a name for themselves. So where we are in the world um, is we're within 100 years after the flood. We're in the third generation, the time of Nimrod. And we are in a place where the people were, went reluctantly down from the mountain that God had commanded them to do and to spread around the earth. And what they're doing is saying, we don't want to be scattered over the world. Who are they afraid of? And who do they want to make a name for? If there's nobody else there, why would they be even concerned about that? And why would they start to do some of the things that they did and introduce, as we've talked about in the last couple of shows, this polytheist religion that is going to be the new religion. So we have a lot of questions. If they're alone, why is this the case? Well, of course, they're not alone. What is happening is is that they know about the Raphaim aboriginals. They're there right from the beginning of the flood. These are the giants. The Raphaim uh, are giants by, as a reference after the flood, Nephilim tend to be giants referred to before the flood. And so they're afraid of them. And what's really kind of interesting is, is when, when you read the Septuagint, you get a version of Genesis 11 where it says that, and this is through the Greek lens, of course, but in their translations and their lens, they say actually that Nimrod didn't become um, you know, just a mighty man. He goes on to say that he made his reputation against the giants that were already there. And so these are the people that they are afraid of. These are the people that they're going to try and send a message to. Not only are they afraid of them, they're going to protect themselves, and they want to also send a message. So they're going to build a city, which implies large walls, as all of the city fortress states were before the flood and what they would be again after the flood. And this is the type of castles, the type of mighty walls, the high-walled villages and things that the Rephaim had built. And so the Noahites, they, they began to build this tower in this city. And we're not told where the knowledge comes from. And certainly Noah wouldn't have been teaching things like about war and about fortresses and building ziggurats, which are the same thing as towers and pyramids in in the ancient world. They may have been shaped a little bit differently, but they had the same purposes. And God objected to them building a city and building this tower. And we're not really told why, but it really starts to make some sense when you understand that the symbol of Babel from the Old Testament and the tradition of teaching that comes out of Babel is the symbol of pride and the symbol of rebellion. And so we have a rebellion that is going on, which is, again, terminology that we kind of get for the end time where you're going to have a rebellion against God again. And that they are doing things that would be understood by the giants who are outside the gates, so to speak. So the barbarians at the gates, if you will, that they're trying to protect them from. And, and they don't want to separate because they feel they're going to be picked off. But 
obviously God is going to disperse them because it's his intent that they spread across the world and they never be brought back again with one leader, one language, one religion again until the end times. And all the Noahites were there. This was a very unique time in history and why Nimrod as an archetypical antichrist figure is very, very important to understand. And the new religion that he introduces, which is the religion from old, and it's a knowledge cult, which is where they get the knowledge to build the city and to build the tower. Just as we're in a knowledge cult today, that people don't understand that science is a theology and that the people that are standing or her controlling things are behind a curtain pulling all of the strings like the Wizard of Oz pulling the levers. And they have a front that they're going to take down at a certain period of time and bring science and knowledge back together because that's, as, as we've talked about in the past, is the origination of the mystical religions. And the religion that's being introduced is the Enochian religion that is found by Hermes, according to the Masons and their history of Babel. And we're going to talk, talk about the occult side and what their thoughts are, because it's the occult that's bringing about the end times. It's their rendezvous with destiny that they want to bring about. They want to bring it about sooner, but they'll accept the ordained times if they have to. And of course they will, because they really don't have a choice on that. So they can bang their heads against the wall until it's the time. Then they're only going to allow it to get so far. And, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to introduce the last seven years because they're going to be permitted to. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have a universal religion because they're going to be able to have that. It's the crowning of the Antichrist that is not being permitted, just as it wasn't permitted to be taking power against the empires of the beast empires that Michael fought against. He didn't prevent the empires from coming about. He's not going to prevent the end time empire from coming about. He's there to prevent Antichrist from taking power because the Antichrist spirit is always lurking and is always looking to get a hold of somebody in a position to become the Antichrist. There's an actual spirit, as we understand it, coming out of the New Testament. And so Nimrod imposes this religion, this knowledge cult, Enochian mysticism amongst all of the people. And it's forced. So it's kind of like what's going to happen with the genocides predicted in the book of, book of Revelations and the tribulation in the first three and a half years that Jesus talks about. That's the word affliction that goes back to the Greek word Philippians, which is the same uh, Greek word used to translate tribulation later on in uh, Matthew and also in the other locations in the Bible where you're going to see tribulation. It's going to go back to that same word. So this is what's going to be happening just as Nimrod placed that knowledge cult on top of the people of that time. And so you have now an Antichrist figure with the universal religion, and this is Satan's first revenge after the flood. And he's going to have more. He's going to do everything he can to try and make sure humankind is going to be led away and into oblivion 
except they didn't anticipate the resurrection. Otherwise, they, as Corinthians says, otherwise they wouldn't have permitted Jesus to be crucified. But until that point in time, they actually believed they were going to have humankind removed from achieving our destiny of being raised up like angels and actually to judge those angels who committed crimes against humanity and crimes against creation in the future time. And so it's likely from this knowledge that uh, builds Babel City, builds Babel Tower, that Nimrod might actually become, as in breaking his vows to God, Jalal um, became, that's the word for it, which can also mean breaking of a vow, that he breaks his vow as a leader to the God of the Bible and is now going to honor the pantheon, which is the mystical religions. And in the Masonic understanding of history and how they recorded in their Polychronicon and in their various legends, uh, Hermes gave the, the gave Nimrod the sciences and the religion, and this is where that knowledge comes from. And he's building Babel Tower and all of the knowledge of, of masonry that goes with it. And he's going to continue to use that even after Babel. You know, Genesis 10, 10 to 12, I mean, he is going to either build or renovate. And it's probably more like renovation because these were ancient cities that were around before the flood. But he's going to um, um, <clears throat> found after the flood Babel, um, as in, and then there's Babylon, and then there's Erech, which is Uruk, and then there's Akkad, and then there's Kalna. And then after that, he's going to move on and, and build Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ur, Kala, and Rezin. And this is all in Sumeria, which is Shinar. And so he is going to pass on the mystical religions, which becomes the Magi religion of Zoroastrianism, the religion of the Aryans that migrated into Persia, and into the Indus Valley, it's the same religion, uh, and it's all antediluvian religion. And so as we look at how the secret societies view Nimrod, Nimrod was a mason, and his skills are attributed to him by building Babel City and Babel Babel Tower, uh, where he initiated a thousand masons into the craft. And they were obviously the ones that were guiding the labor. And it's interesting that you have an account in Masonic history of the building of Babel City and Babel Tower. But that's not unusual. It's because after Babel, when you have the disbursement and the changing of the languages, they're going to take some accountings back. So you have an account, and I have it in my book, um, in the Aztec, in the Kishimaya um, accounts. And I give one description uh, of, the, of the Babel Tower and how it's built from coming out of the Aztec tradition. You have a version by the Armenians. You have a version by the Sumerians uh, with Enmerakar, which I connect back to Nimrod, as opposed to Gilgamesh, because it's third generation and as opposed to sixth generation for Gilgamesh, son of Lugabanda. And it's the identical story. It's just, these are just told through polytheist lenses. 
And so we ought not to be surprised there's other versions that, that are out there. And in the Masonic version, it says that Nimrod loved the spirit of sciences, the seven sacred sciences, as they like to call it, in in the craft, in the secret societies, in ancient masonry, or the seven liberal arts as we would know it today. It's the same group of knowledge that produces the mystical religion so that it's kept from the mundane and it's only for the initiated and the true knowledge is at the adept level and higher which Nimrod was the first grand master after the flood as recorded in the Regis manuscript and he is their greatest patriarch after the flood because he writes the first constitution for the Masons. And he organizes the civilization, the civilization that's at Babel into a Masonic society, according to Masonic tradition. And what do they mean when they say a Masonic society? That's where you have a small group of adepts who have all the knowledge, all of the power, all of the wealth. And then you have everybody below at that level. So in the Scottish Rite, you would have 33 degrees. In the York Rite, which is the older tradition, you have three degrees. Most people are more familiar with the Scottish Rite. So everybody below 33rd degree, so 32nd degree and lower, they don't get fed the true knowledge. They don't get access to the same avenues of power. They don't get the same benefits. It's there to pacify the masses that there's participation in this system. And if that sort of Masonic society rings a bell with a world run by left-wing mystical oligarchs that we see bent on world government, it ought to ring familiar because that's what they're, they're intending to bring about and they're going to bring back the Babel religion. And that's why you have Babylon as part of its makeup. It's also a geopolitical organization. It's also a city, just as Babel City was. And it was. it's also a universal religion and a geopolitical um, center and a, an economic center. I think I was a little bit redundant there, but I apologize. I want to make sure I had the four different aspects of it. And as a universal religion, that is going to be coming back. And that's going to be the glue that brings about the Ten King Empire, the spheres of influence, the Ten Kings of Atlantis, as they like to talk in their spurious lore. So this is a Masonic society that is at Babel. It's what they're planning for the end time, and it will have one language of communication for business. Uh, it will have one religion and it will have an antichrist figure that's going to take over at the midpoint of the last seven years. And so you have an antichrist figure in Nimrod running Babel. So again, the analogy is very, very deep, just as Babylon is rooted in the Hebrew word Babel. It goes back into Greek, but it's rooted in the Hebrew word for Babel. And Babel um, is a word that was used in the time of John, who wrote Revelations, 
or you know wrote it down as it was told to him and as he saw it was an allegory for the city of Rome and the end time empire will be arising sort of out of the ashes as an extension of the old Roman empire so again lots of interesting sort of connections to understand end time prophecy through um, ancient times and through prehistory because that's where all of the the imagery comes from. And so we understand that Nimrod spent 53 years, according to Masonic records, in the craft at Babel. And what came out of the 53 years at, uh, at Babel was the organization, the organizational structure at the top, which was all of the wealthy, all of the educated, which would continue to run civilization throughout post-Diluvian history with a small room for slaves and people they need to do the work uh, at the bottom. And at the top level, you have the, um, the elite that run both the religion and run the government and control the army and have all of the wealth. So they established what I would call a feudal system, but that's the forecast system that is all around the world that's identical. It doesn't matter where you go from First Nations in North America to India to China to Europe with the feudal system. It was the same system. And this is the system of Nimrod. This is the system that is coming back. And they, they may utilize things like communism and socialism to get their will, but what it does is it funnels this very small population to control. We're going to see national socialism on a globalist scale, as I like to call it. So that's why you have the oligarchs, because there's going to be a lot of trade in the end time, just as there was throughout history. The trade, But the trade, the massive amount of trade was done by the wealthy and by the kings and the relatives of the kings. There might be a small baker class or a blacksmith class, but it's a very small part of free enterprise. And you can see the drilling down on free enterprise today just through any time you get a catastrophe, particularly with the pestilence that we went through the last couple of years, the oligarchs got wealthy. Small business was almost wiped out and they're not done with it yet. They're going to continue in that way. So at the center core of this Masonic society, which was Babel, which is a model for the coming world government that the globalists that are trying to bring about, who are all left-wing and all mystical, um, was this organization called, at the time of Babel, was the Great White Brotherhood. So Nimrod, within the ancient royal Masonic history through the Polychronicon, is credited with not only writing the first constitution, but also being the original founder for the constitution that's written for, for an organization called the Great White Brotherhood. That a lot of people sort of associate with the Illuminati today because they kind of have that in, in their imagery. But the Illuminati is just above Adept of Freemasonry, so it's not at the top. But it's just sort of keeping that ancient allegory alive in terms of the organizational structure because it's although they're illuminated ones in the illuminati they're not as illuminated as the ones initiated through childhood which are the pure bloods 
of the Nephilim and Nimrod bloodlines. So you have this great white brotherhood that is being set up right after the flood, which was a very similar organization that was set up before the flood because everything is happening time after time after time. And we see this resurgence over, throughout history. If you look closely to like the Renaissance, that's just the pursuits of thought. We're going to get to the Egyptian aspect here fairly quickly. But it's the application or the renewal of the seven sacred sciences. It's the renewal of the adepts controlling that development to bring about what happened before the flood. And that's what was happening at Babel. It was very quickly not only being in an end-time Antichrist-type area, but you had this knowledge that is being described as anything they do with one language acting as one people, they'll be able to do because they have this knowledge, and they're all together, and it's all focused by a religion and focused by uh, Nimrod, the Antichrist figure. And so when we look at Babel was just a renaissance of the antediluvian knowledge, and they were trying to develop it. And we're still catching up to the knowledge that was before the flood. So the disbursement of the languages has prevented the end time to come about because of the confusion of the languages and having people work together. But as you can see today, technology is working very, very quickly. And we're coming together at a rate not seen since the coming together of the organizational structure in Genesis 6 with the Nephilim, the Enochian mysticism, the descendants of Cain, usurping all of the kingships and developing the mystical religion and the mystical knowledge through the mystery schools and into the various disciplines of the knowledge that paraded the antediluvian world into destruction for corrupting the whole earth. And I've been through this, but understand the whole earth was was corrupted. That means uh, uh, the Hebrew word shakath, which is uh, decay, ruin, um, spoiled, words like that. So the plant genomes, the animal genomes, or DNA, I mean, human DNA, all was corrupted except for what God had survived on his ark that Noah built at his instructions. And the knowledge is also kind of reflected in the Akkadian account of Babel as well as to where they might have been able to go with the knowledge. And that it reflects as to who Nimrod was more interested in, and which has a end-time implication, because in Akkad, which is um, an extension out of Nimrod's empire, um, Babel is not understood as confusion of languages. It is, you can spell it as Babel or Babalu, I-L-U is another way where you might see it, but it means Bab is in gate in Akkadian and L is in God. So a gateway or a stargate or a portal to another dimension. And I think he was using this knowledge, and this is, gives you an idea of how advanced the knowledge was, was I think Nimrod was trying to get into another dimension and into the abyss prison where all of his patriarchal, so to speak, gods that he was now worshiping with the introduction of Enochian mysticism from the son of Cain before the flood 
were all located there, and I think he was trying to free them. And as we look forward, look beyond the implications of this great white brotherhood that's created by Nimrod, we see another sort of renaissance period where it happens in Egypt. And that's because Hermes goes with Mizram, according to Masonic traditions, to Egypt. And he's going to take the mystical religion with them. And that's where he found the knowledge that was under the the pyramids, the great pyramids, from the knowledge from Enochian wisdom that merged with the with the angelic illicit knowledge where they built these great megaliths. And he and Hermes founded the city of Hermopolis after Babel. And he reestablishes a great white brotherhood in the Egyptian religions as the second pillar of the Magi that are in Shinar with Nimrod, Hermes through the, the Pharaoh dynasties are going to set up the Egyptian pillar of mysticism. And it's still important with secret societies, even to this day when they use Isis, Osiris, and Horus as their trinity. Isis being the Holy Spirit and the mother goddess, Isis being the male god, and Horus being the antichrist-type figure that is designed to to rule with, with their authority. And as we look at what happens with with uh, Hermopolis, we see this being transferred, this knowledge later to Heliopolis, whom, whom the Essenes and Moses are associated with. And this at Heliopolis is where the constitution is reformed and updated and is the home of the Great White Brotherhood, as we understand it, rolling downhill or into history from there. And so Nimrod writes the first constitution, but it's the Egyptian religion um, through the pharaohs and the Egyptian religion that's going to refine the constitution and reform it, as, as they say, at Heliopolis. And what's interesting is, is that Moses is educated at Heliopolis. So he would have been as an, you know, an, an unknown adopted son, to be the son of a, of a pharaoh, he would have been educated from childhood at Heliopolis and an adept. And so he was able to speak the language of the Egyptians. And he was able to understand their powers. And so when he came back under the power of God, he was speaking their language. There was no miscommunication because he could speak the language of the religion and he had the antidotes to their uh, religion uh, by the power of God that was vested in him. And what's also interesting is, is that that sort of explains what happens to me, at least it, it explains it with Moses in the book of Hebrew. We have an account where Satan is trying to steal the body of Moses after he dies um, in the time of the Exodus on east of the of the Jordan River before they cross. And Michael is sent to retrieve the body. Satan's there to take his due rights. He's there because Moses would have taken those oaths of initiation and sworn his loyalty. And so Satan was there to collect them. But God is more powerful, and he trumped it. So he sent Michael and said, no, you're not taking him. I trump the, um, the oath. 
he is loyal to me. He's done what I've asked, and he is going to be amongst the saints. And so we need to understand how what is done on earth, and particularly in the polytheist side, it is bound. So when you take their oaths, God can override it, but one ought to be very, very much aware that all of this lore about Satan and the sort of the, you know, the satanic bargain um, is something that is, I think, is quite real, and, and we should be very, very leery of the oaths. In the, and of course, oaths are so much part of our world today, particularly after the right, the publication of the King James Version Bible, where people take oaths on the Bible. This is that Masonic society. This is the Masonic society that that is coming, that's partnered with uh, socialism today and is going to be partnered with this universal religion, this ancient religion of mysticism that's coming soon. And so when we start to look at how the other side looks at the Great White Brotherhood, we need to understand what that means. It's more than just the therapeutate that the Essenes uh, said that Moses brought that as the true religion. It's it's more than just what is done on the earth. It's who they're working with that's part of this great white brotherhood and this Masonic organizational structure that reaches into reaches into the invisible ones. And so Helen Blavat. Blavatsky, who created Theosophy, which was an extension out of uh, Gnosticism, and she was very much educated in the Egyptian religion, even though she was Russian-born. What she wrote is, is that the Ascended Order of Masters is called the Great White Brotherhood. So we need to understand that, that there's an ascended order. This is more than just the earthly adepts who are, who are running things on earth, but they're talking to this ascended order of masters. This ascended order are really only a couple sets of beings. You can argue that these are the demon spirits of the Rephaim and Nephilim that aren't in the abyss, as Ezekiel 32 has the worst of the terrible ones located in there. Or they could be fallen angels as part of that mix, and probably are, probably both. And they could be the spiritual guides, which are the same group, and or the aliens, whom the aliens um, are part of this organizational structure. They're just not from multiple planets from everywhere. They're part of the creations of the fallen angels and part of their hierarchy of, of the fallen ones. So when we have the alien coming out party they need a story for who all of these beings are and now i understand angels have changeling capabilities and they can make up a number of them but you get like the gray ones which are like the, the known fairies out of the uh, elementals and the elementals are all part of the occult hierarchical society all four of the groups you have the nephilim um, and you have the various ranks of, of, of the angels and so the whole sort of host of these beings that they want us to join as part of the rebellion against God that they're going to want us to fight against the God of the Bible to gain our freedom. They need a cover story for who these beings are. They're like going to be explained to us as like beings that um, are also fighting against the God of the Bible. 
And so the Great White Brotherhood, there's two classifications of that. It's the adepts and the very most highest level adepts that are here on earth and the ones that are, that they're speaking with and receiving knowledge and guidance from. And the analogy of that is an archetype antichrist figure who had the Rice Church, which was this mystical Aryan religion that he instituted in 1933. They said that they communicated because they were formed by secret societies like the German and Orden or the Thule Society and several other uh, groups they called their religion Ariosophy as sort of an Aryan variant out of the uh, theosophical religion, but they were talking to these ascended masters and receiving the knowledge that they utilized to create weapons that we still base things like tanks and things on to this day. So we need to sort of understand that these things are real and that they're in communication with these beings, and they're going to make up the rulership of the global government that's coming. They want to bring back the new Atlantis or bring Atlantis as bringing back old Atlantis in the, in sort of the framework as a new Atlantis as a new golden age where angels walked amongst humans and created demigods with human females as Genesis six, one through four talk about, they want this again and they're going to promise a counterfeit millennium that is going to be designed for people that they choose, people of their bloodlines, people of their DNA, the gene of ISIS that they like to talk about. Whereas you hear the Masonic Society talk about the global government, a thousand points of light, the spark of the divine as in the fallen angels and the counterfeit spirit that they passed on. That's who they want. They only want humankind for servitude and sacrifice. So don't expect many that'll be uh, many humans that will be going into this counterfeit millennium, not that I believe that they're going to actually achieve it, because they don't want many. And that you can take, get that from the Georgia Guidestones in terms of how they're trying to limit the population. And so when we look at these advanced spirits or, and advanced souls, look at them as into those two uh, classifications. And this is the, the Great White Lodge that these advanced spirits live in just as Satan in the occult society lives in this great lodge as a great architect of of the universe, also known as Lucifer. They they like to call him. And that when we look at how the globalists are made up today of all of these political groups, they're all mystics. And they are all secret society members. And they have complete control over the world parliament today. They have complete control over the world economic system today. Um, And it's just where they intersect into the secret society. So let's say, you know, the World Bank and um, IMF, they're going to intersect into the Committee of 300 because they run the economic system in in the world. So they have their purebloods going out and and overseeing groups that are 
providing marching orders to all that follow them for everything that they want to get done. So there's a certain hierarchy there that we need to understand because it's a Masonic hierarchy. And you need to understand that hierarchy that ends up with the royal bloodlines at the top where the divine representatives of the gods that produced them through the spurious offspring, which were the Rephaim after the flood and the Nephilim before the flood. And so you have uh, this great white brotherhood that's connected to the therapeutate, which is, uh, as you understand the word therapeutics, it means to heal. It's part of the medical group. This has been developed through these centers, and they're still answerable to them to this day. So if you look at medicine today, they offer a lot of therapeutics. And it extends even further to that. It extends to the pharmakia, which is the word in um, Revelation 18.23, the sorceries that Babylon will deceive the world with. And so you can expect that the medical association is going to be wedded just as they have been throughout history with this Masonic organization. So if you now can imagine that um, the Great White Brotherhood symbol is a serpentine symbol. And mystery schools in ancient history were represented in their hieroglyphs with a horned serpent. And that the Great White Brotherhood and craftsmen were craftsmen of the therapeutate, which focused heavily on healing. And that Hermes is represented by a snake motif. And that it is the same as one of the medical associations. Um, and it's the same motif as mysticism, and which represents wisdom. And it's the same symbol uh, in a lot of applications, as what Anki, which was an offspring god of Anu, uh, was represented as a serpent. This is the serpentine imagery that the medical association associates themselves with today. And you have in the professional guilds, you have a single serpent motif around Hermes staff. And in the commercial, you have a dual serpent motif um, around the staff again, and that represents the DNA that they had knowledge of back then and that they learned from before the flood. So it tells you how advanced that knowledge was. And so when we look at uh, the, the history, as we have the medical association come down from Greek, you have Escapulius, who is very much associated with Hermes. And Asclepius is the god of medicine in the Greek tradition. And his son is Hippocrates, whom doctors take the Hippocratic oath to today. And his daughter was um, <clears throat> uh, Hygieia. Uh, and that is part of the symbolism of the pharmaceutical associations today, which is the bowl of Hygieia, and that that has a snake sort of curling around over top of a grail-like goblet. Now, you also have another symbol that goes with the pharmaceutical associations, but you see the, the, the connection that is there. So when we look at 
this Masonic Society for World Government, we have to look at how they dominate the the education system with secret societies that you see them initiated to into various houses on campuses. They have secret societies throughout the government organizations. You get secret societies within the churches that are initiatory orders. They control the world through the Masonic hierarchy and organizational structure that Nimrod created at Babel as the Great White Brotherhood. So I think I could go on for a long period of time, but I know we're coming up to the to to the hour. And I think um, more examples, you know, it was always interesting and nice. But I think we probably, hopefully, have made the case that we need to look harder at how things are organized and who they are representing because they're trying to bring about the new Babel with a new Antichrist figure. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's, it's like, it's like I get so um, absorbed in, 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 and I, and I don't really watch the time and I'm like, no, we can't be out of time. <laughs> but, um, it goes but by so fast. It does. It, it really does. And, and I, I struggle so much even trying to get out the news, but I, I was inventorying the headlines that I couldn't get to and thought to myself, hey, all things considered, <laughs> I was like, I, I got through more than I thought. So anyway, praise God. So thank you so much again, Brother Wayne, for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, thank you all for joining us tonight. And just you're on the boat. Just never, never forget. Praise God. You're on the boat. Also, I want to share something with you real quick. Um, just so you know, as a matter of fact, uh, Brother Wayne dropped. Uh, so I, he's probably – he's doing so many shows right now, man. He's it, – it, lots of shows. And so he's probably dropped and dialing into another show like right away. But I did want to share something. I was uh, behind the scenes. I get a lot of uh, inputs and outputs and text messages and stuff from people all over the place, all walks of life. And um, praise God for that. And um, I wanted to share this with you. Okay, so you remember when I played the audio bite, we'll just call it an audio bite, from Glenn Beck and how he had mentioned about the, he held up the bleach factory, uh, said that it that this particular bleach factory or chlorine factory or whatever was um, producing approximately 50% of, I gather, this nation's supply of chlorine, which, of course, chlorine bleach, right? And I've noticed that bleach was no longer. But anyway, here's the tr the thing. Here's the, here's the punchline. This is kind of scary, actually. All right. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but now we, I, you know, more people are looking into it because the numbers could be significantly higher than what has bubbled up to the news, uh, bubbled up to the internet, alternate news sources. But now, at the last count that I was able to confirm, we are now to eight food processing plants in the United States of Babylon the Great that have burned down, burned completely to the ground, okay? So if what Glenn Beck said is true, which I absolutely totally believe it is, that the bleach companies that burned to the ground could not rebuild because of the 
uh, supply shortage for rebuilding, then whoever these satanic entities are, probably, if you ask me, I would submit that these are probably CIA um, that are, you know, black ops that are being sent out ultimately by, uh, we'll just call it the shadow government, if that makes you happy. Um, I prefer the global satanic crime syndicate, but there, you know, I would not doubt in my mind that the, the consortium, of evil, the uh, Fourth Reich, the all the and all the participants, as they are strategizing over how they are going to create the perfect storm. How are they going to make the things happen on Earth uh, ten times worse? And kill more and more people because really that's their goal. More, more than anything, what they want to do, uh, well, control, of course, control what's left, very important. Full control over who's left, full surveillance over who's left, total Orwellian society, we get it. All right, fine. But look, to watch them actually execute on it, to see it actually happening, as painfully slow as it is, um, because, you know, if it was any faster, Companies like mine wouldn't be running around going, pandemic's over, everything's cool, everybody fly, 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 you know? And it, it's um, – anyway, so it's forked tongue, really. Double-mindedness is what we're dealing with here on a colossal level. And uh, a lot of the people that I am talking to at the workplace are fully – I don't want to say fully aware, but to some degree they are aware that things aren't right. And when they start to open up, you discover that they know a lot more than they would have let on otherwise. Uh, So there's a lot of people that are waking up, but they're keeping it to themselves because, A, they don't have anybody they can share it with that would believe them or, you know, and not kick them out and say, you're crazy, you're nuts, you've lost your mind. Um, You know, they don't want to deal with that. They don't know how to deal with it. And they also some of them are just unbelievers or they're mediocre believers, and they don't really know their Bible. But they, maybe they've sat in their, you know, whatever church uh, for, you know, periodically. Maybe they're just the type that only go to church on Easter and Christmas. Who knows? But the point is they, they're not um, – nobody's connecting the dot, or at least very few of them are. And the ones that and, – and, and some of the ones that have connected the dots, they've only connected – see, there's 100 dots. They've only connected maybe 12 of them, okay? But – if if we're dealing with these entities, these beings, these may actually be mind control slaves, okay? Um, and you might be, you know, you can read the book if you want to. It's probably still free somewhere out on the internet. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Fritz Springmeier's book. Uh, you know, how to create. It's something like just type in Fritz Springmeier, type it as best you can, and then mind control slaves. I have a copy of it. I haven't read it yet because I already understood it, but it has to do with satanic ritual abuse. And they've been doing it for like decades and decades and decades and decades and decades. Um, and they, they're, still, they're still doing it. I mean, and they, they can just call up one of these individuals in the middle of the night and say, A, B, C, D, L, M, N, O, P. And the person gets – that's a trigger. And they shift into an altar, 
and then they're programmed. You know, they can be programmed to be super soldiers. They can be programmed to be any one of whatever they want to program them to be. And uh, they're absolutely jam-packed with demons, very powerful. And um, uh, and there's been footage of some of them actually spotted on freeways, running across the freeway, um, uh, and getting hit head-on. You know, car hitting them at like 60 miles an hour, and they just like roll over like 30 times and get right back up and keep on running. I've seen the actual videos of it. Um, uh, you know, but the point I'm trying to make is, uh, let's just assume, because that's what I'd do if, it, if, if I was behind it, I would use the super soldiers. They're all over the place. There's millions of them. I would estimate to the best of my uh, – given, given the amount of time that Satan has, has had to build up his army of super soldiers, I would estimate there are probably – Two million of them at any given time in just the United States ready to be activated. Okay, so better. Uh, I mean, you know, looking at it from the global satanic crime syndicate, they're orchestrating these things. They're burning down these food processing plants by the gazillions, it seems like. I mean, it seems like an, a never-ending stream of more and more and more and more and more and more of them burning to the ground. Well, if, if, if the same dynamic exists for them that existed for that bleach factory that Glenn Beck was speaking about, that they can't get their building supplies to rebuild the – because all of them would have insurance, right? So, I mean, theoretically, if, they, if they, you know, they're part of the critical infrastructure so that they would get their insurance payout really fast, they would, they would have their supplies pulled up in trucks, and they would you – know, in theory, you would think that they'd be able to rebuild the plant and restock the equipment um, you know, a few months. And not such a horrible impact. I mean, bad enough impact. Don't get me wrong. It would still be bad impact. But how catastrophic is it when there aren't any building supplies to rebuild those facilities? And for me, working in uh, you know, business continuity and stuff and, and that being a specialization for me, that, that's huge. That's real, real huge because, uh, you know, normally an, an organization, a, a company, uh, whatever, uh, is going to analyze, you know, how, how profitable and how important the various facilities are. They're going to say, okay, the, we have 30 facilities, but we only have 20 really critical facilities and, um, and whatever. But the point is, if they don't have the supplies, they don't have the supplies, they don't have the supplies, they don't have the supplies. You're not going to be able to buy a new Ford Mustang because they're shutting down the doggone plant. Now, I ain't suggesting that anybody who's listening to this program ought to go out and buy a new car in the first place. Uh, that would not be my first. <laughs> Given where we are in the uh, in the uh, uh, biblical end times timeline, that would be the last thing I would recommend that anybody does. And I was having a conversation with my own personal mechanic at lose auto whatever care and they're it relatively inexpensive and extremely well skilled and um uh you know he was saying no 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 do not get a new car he's like this the the used cars are up 40 percent in price and value and he said it is worth every penny to fix it and uh so it's ironic that he said that because i gotta take it back in on monday but anyway if i can find the time but anyway praise god i, di I did want to just i wanted to share that that with you um i also uh i guess what i'll do here is j just for a very very brief moment you know a couple more minutes just knock out the last couple of uh, headlines the united states is training ukrainian troops this is coming directly from the pentagon uh russia already knows this of course they are capturing and it's it's, it's basically Ru russia doesn't want things to escalate 
But, of course, you wouldn't think that listening to mainstream news. But if you're listening to the non-mainstream news, you're listening to the channels, and you're seeing all the people over in Donbass and Donetsk and Mariupol running out of their houses with flowers and giving them to the Russian soldiers as they're driving by on banks, then you would understand. Because you're never going to be told these things by the West. The West is going to continue in their narrative, and it's a lie from the saint, and it's demonic is absolutely horrible and they are ushering in the very very worst times the world will ever see the perfect storm is a work in progress okay and russia's now some of the other countries the mercenaries that are coming in to help the ukraine army uh russia's liquidating them however the americans they they're treating them on a kind of like a catch and release program Okay, it's kind of like, you know, hey, there's only so many fish in the pond, so you got to, like, put the fish back in the water kind of thing. So they're, like, um, they're doing a catch and release. They're, they're capturing American CIA. They're holding up their, their actual uh, credentials. They're filming them. And then they're saying, okay, we're going to, you know, and then, they, then, you can, then you'll see a film later where they're actually doing an exchange, a prisoner exchange. So they're letting the Americans sneak by. Um, which, you know, is just an act on their part to try to, it, as, as feeble as it may be in the grand scheme of things, uh, to die, diffuse the situation a little bit. But, of course, you know, from their viewpoint, they don't realize that they're dealing with entities that are not even really human. They don't get that. You know, they don't understand that these entities are doing this stuff on purpose. They, you know, they make the comments about, hey, man, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're actually hurting yourself more than you're hurting us. They're fully aware of what they're doing. They're fully aware of what it, what it, what's required for them to maintain. And they've been establishing the BRICS financial uh, – uh, um, uh, it's a, it's a, it, well, let's just call it a consortium – of uh, Brazil, India, um, uh, Russia, and China. And there's more. South Africa is part of that now. So they, the, these, you know, the BRICS consortium, the gathering of uh, big, big nations that uh, that's been that they've been doing that for years now. So they, they they did see that coming. They saw that as a risk issue and started to build alliances. Excuse me, got it. Got the hiccup. Something fierce. Alliances with uh, uh, Brazil, India, China, Russia, and South Africa. Okay, so they're all set. They don't care. They don't need anything from the West. See, but here's the thing. They still are befuddled because, you know, they know that they're being attacked. They know that it's false flag. They know that, that, that no one's acknowledging the Nazi uh, uh, partnership that exists between the West and the Ukraine. They, 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 know, they know all that. They know they're being blamed for mass graves that they didn't create. They know they're being blamed for missile attacks that did not happen from their equipment. They know all that. They're fully aware of all this stuff that's going on. And and so the situation is, but but really, well, you got to look at the big picture. You got to look at the big picture. The big picture is the picture that Glenn Beck started. Now, if now if he really did a completely thorough job, now he did a good enough job to make his point. I definitely put a chill in my, you know, I got a chill in my neck on that one. I was like, oh my gosh, um, especially because of his mentioning of the dog food thing, because I've been watching my canned dog food go. It's it's nearly tripled let's put it that way it's nearly tripled in price and gauged gauge I, I gauge this estimate this based upon what glenn beck said is happening which by the way i've been seeing on the shows and reporting it on the shows but sometimes 
you're, you're in such a hurry getting the news out. You're not necessarily stitching all the pieces together, which is why I wanted to mention how what Beck was saying is directly related to these satanic I'm just going to control my words, but I will say Global Satanic Crime Syndicate, Mind Control Slave Entities, burning down these food processing plants. That's serious. When you can't rebuild them? See, the first time I saw it, I was thinking to myself, this is bad. This is really, really bad. But it, I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. This is horrific. Okay, saying it's really, really bad is so far off the mark of the magnitude of the badness of it all. Horrific really just scratches the surface. And then also, thank you, Mr. Beck, him pointing out that the um, because it's so buried in the news, it's so it's like 20,000 leagues under the sea. Captain Nemo can't even find these headlines. Good for Glenn Beck to be aware that the shipping channels are still backed up because that ain't hitting any of our apocalyptic news sites. That's something you got to go search for. After a while, it sinks so far down on the importance meter to the Global News Crime Syndicate that it doesn't even bubble up when you do a, a search. It's on page four or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so thank you, Glenn Beck. God bless him uh, and, and all of us, really. We're, we're all in this jam together. We need to be praying for the lost, fervently praying for ourselves, fervently. Remember when Jesus said, you know, um, physician, heal thyself, you know, that was his witty way of letting us know that if we're not right with God, we are going to be hampered in our ability to be able to help others. You know, hindered. We'll use the word hindered. That's a biblical term. But anyway, we don't want to be hindered. We want to be as close to the Lord as we can. We want to be in continuous confess, confession of our sins, even those of which we are unaware of. And that's captured in, oh, i got to remember the verse and I forget. But anyway, I just wanted to share these tidbits with you because I'm, I'm looking at the reports. And as I sit here and digest the um, Glenn Beck commentary and apply it to these reports that I have all over the Golden JIB studio monitors right now. It's way, way worse than I've been. I mean, I've been saying it's bad, but I didn't connect the sig. The magnitude chart just blew the thermometer right off the top. Okay, and if you if you know the difference between a, a linear scale and a logarithmic scale, it has gone logarithmic. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So now just keep on remembering that you're on the boat. You're on the boat. Remind yourself you're on the boat. No matter how bad it gets, you're on the boat. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Whatever troubles that you're going through, whatever trials that you're going through, whatever addictions that you're dealing with, whatever, you know, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Don't you let that thought get into your head. Rebuke that. That is Satan. That is a fiery dart. You praise God for answering your prayers. I don't care. You know, if you're addicted to something, you've been praying to the Lord to help you to get over that addiction. Guess what? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. It may not happen right away. It might be six months from now. You just keep stick to your stick to your prayers. Be the be the, be Luke eighteen. Read Luke eighteen. Read Luke eighteen. Read Luke eighteen. That's a promise. That's a promise. We should. We are always praying. We never give up. We pester God. We pester him and pester him and pester him and pester him and, and keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on believing and keep on believing and thank him and praise him and thank him and praise him. If you didn't get food in your pot, if you didn't get food in your pot the night the next night, then you get up and you praise him and you say. 
Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. I know there's a reason why there's no food in this pot, but I believe with all of my heart, hallelujah, there's going to be food tomorrow. And we're going to pray through it. Thank you, Jesus. And besides, most of us need to lose weight anyway and fast. So, you know, I guess there's no harm in no food, uh, for, at least for a while. But anyway, so praise God. Thank you all for joining us tonight. It's 9.19 p.m. No, 9.18, actually. Uh, on the east coast of the United States, Babylon the Great. It is a Sunday night. Uh, we've been blessed by Gary Wayne uh, and, uh, and again, the author of uh, um, the book, um, How the Descendants of Giants Plan to Enslave Mankind. And let me tell you, it's a one-of-a-kind book. It is very thick, uh, and it is exceedingly detailed. So if you are uh, you know, wanting to become adept at understanding the intricacies of this infiltration of uh, evil from the very beginning of time, uh, you know, and, and all of those dynamics wrapped in a you know, biblical bundle of awesomeness, uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of people, including myself, that have invested in this book. Now, of course, for me, I also have to, like, go into some kind of a cloning machine and let my clone read it because I certainly don't <laughs> have the time, praise God. But anyway, we will see you uh, Wednesday night. Let me think it through. Yeah. So we're, we're good for Wednesday night. We're good for Friday night prayer vigil on the 6th. Thank you, Jesus. Um, we're good for the radio show on the 8th, the evening of the 8th, which is Sunday. But then Monday, I go to a manager's meeting, uh, and then uh, I will be back in time to do the Friday night prayer vigil. So we'll have to do a best of show for the 11th, uh, and then also a best of show for April 1st. Uh, and uh, because I'll be traveling that week as well. So anyway, God bless you. Um, you know, I'm I'm believing. I'm I'm praying and believing and praising. And you know, and again, if you if you're so down in the dumps, and I don't blame you. I'm not play that thing that churchianity plays that game. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but they they they'll guilt you into thinking that you've got to be happy all the time, and that's a bunch of balderdash. Yeah, that the scripture wouldn't say that we we need to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. It wouldn't say that if there weren't plenty of us that were going to be weeping. All right, hallelujah, and it is. It's hard. It's hard to get through these things. I, you know, I, personally myself, I've been going through some awful ugly, just ugly, real ugly stuff, back-to-back ugly now for the better part of almost four years. But it has been, if I look back on it, in all fairness, it's been getting lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. I mean, it's diminished almost to really almost nothing now. Now, granted, I know how Satan is, and I know, you know, anything can happen, and it could you know, go right back up to, you know, 57 on a Richter scale. But for the time being, it, I, you know, as I look over the last four years, and maybe you feel the same way, if you look over your last four years, you may be able to say, wait a minute, I have been making progress. Just remember, as things get darker, you're on the boat. And if there is no other reason for you to praise, if you cannot execute upon Philippians 4, verse 8, where it says, you know, uh, whenever, you know, whenever things are, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are of a good report, uh, you know, if there's anything at all, meditate upon these things. Well, remember, that was written a long, 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 long time ago, and it wasn't necessarily written in the context of the end times, right? The sorrows period, which we're heading into head first, right? Amen? So, um, you know, just you really – I had one person, I love her, but she said to me, I've bought bazillions of books on – 
you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. She said they didn't work for her. She just tossed them. And I felt bad because they helped me a lot. Um, I, you know, maybe the difference is that I use mine and then I put, I plug the name of Jesus into like every sentence on purpose. You know, they, they, they can write them in the secular. It doesn't bother me. I'll just plug Jesus right in there because he belongs there anyways. All right. Praise God. So um, I just take things like mindfulness and I just turn it into Philippians 4.8 as much as I can. But we're going to come to a time, I think, with all of my heart, I really believe this, with all of my heart, in accordance with what Jesus warned us about, that these things are going to get so bad, so bad while we're still here, that um, we, we're, we're, we're going to be put into a place where God's going to force us. He's going to force us. And you might say, that's mean. Well, no, not really. Not in the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, if our Heavenly Father has to put us through ugly, really super ultra horrible bad stuff, in order to bring our hearts to complete surrender, total trust, where we have faith that can move mountains and we believe with all of our heart that that pot will be full of food on our stove that night. Cooked because we don't have electricity. If we got to be busted down to whatever that level is, that God rebuilds us back up and our faith is, you know, bazillions of times stronger than it has ever been because we can look back on our journey. And say, wow, I mean, really, wow. But just remember, you're on the boat. And if that isn't enough for you to praise your praise yourself, silly, and lift up God, no matter how ugly things get, I don't know what is. All things considered, as dumbed down as society ultimately is, remember, you know, all the folks out there, they, they get off on the whole giants. I'm not talking about Gary. I'm talking about many others. And they talk about, as in the days of Noah, well, it's all about giants raising up from the earth. And I'm like, mm, maybe, or, you know, because you've got to look at things explicitly as well as spiritually. And, and, and explicitly, it says, as in the days of Noah, they will be given and taken to marriage. Well, what do you walk away with when you hear that? They're not going to get it. So even as we complete and check the box of the third seal and the global financial collapse occurs and, you know, situation gets even worse, people will be talking about it on their corporate Zoom meetings. People will be, you know, oh, this, that, or the other thing. Or, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to just go, oh, well, these, all these things will come to pass. This is just another cycle. It's another 1933. We're just going through another. Remember how bad inflation was back in the 80s before Ronald Reagan took, you know, they're, they're, that's what they do. They'll discredit it. They'll ignore it. They will never see the connection to the Bible. And they'll be waiting for somebody to build a Solomon's Temple still, like is what the vast majority of evangelical Christianity here in the United States of Babylon the Great is doing. No temple, no pre-trib rapture. No temple, no pre-trib rapture. That's a pretty terrible place to be in your walk. The only place it's worse is on top of the seven mountains. Thank you, Jesus, for where we are in our walk. And, yes, it may mean we're going through a lot more ugly than, than our fellow brothers and sisters are that are unaware. But that ugly that we're going through is going to give us great, praise you, Jesus, hallelujah, advantage for the days that it heavily, heavily, highly, highly looks like we're going to all have to go through. 
to some degree or another. No better time than now than to develop that faith. Praise his holy name. And no, no better thing to praise his holy name about than knowing that you're on the boat already. And those big, ugly alien monsters coming over the hill to kill all those people that are still on the shore, you know, or the worlds. I don't know if you can see in your in your uh in your uh recollection uh that scene but i can see it like it was yesterday i watched that movie about four or five times and let me tell you that's the kind of world we're heading into but it'll be pocketed that's why you'll have as in the days of noah people will be given and taken to marriage uh, two people will be working in the field one will be taken another left people there are people out there that actually preach and put together um uh teachings and stuff and say that that isn't the rapture i'm like bunk, bunk it isn't <laughs> you're nuts but but it it certainly does indicate that it is the barley harvest the barley harvest because ain't nobody going to be surprised once we enter into the day of the lord the global uh earthquake and revelation six twelve, the three days of darkness no 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 one's going to be given and taking in marriage uh when 22 million people have been slaughtered across the east coast of the united states of babylon the great because of a gigantic tsunami uh that that, that wipes them all out uh, over a meteor that hits the earth and shakes the entire earth the whole world is going to be an absolute uh, it's going to be unbelievable I don't even want to be here for that. I don't want to be anywhere near this planet. No way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray every single day. Uh, well, not every single day. I do take, you know, um, on prayer vigil days, I, I might take a little uh, time time off. Uh, but but it's, it's, it's irrelevant. I, I pray continuously, 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 continuously for every single one of you. And I thank Jesus for every single one of you that lit, lifts me up, even a slight mention to the Lord, because I believe with all of my heart that if it wasn't for that, that I probably, I don't know what would have happened to me. And I just thank you, Jesus, for every one of you, and I pray indeed for a tenfold blessing and anointing and divine protection upon you and your families. I want every single listener of this program to not miss. You've been called. Now let's make sure we're all chosen as best as we can in Jesus' name. And and one of the key ways is praising his holy name. And if you don't have nothing to praise about, you surely do. On the boat. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you're on the boat early, uh, which is great. All right. Hallelujah. So we will see you this coming Wednesday, 7 p.m., Lord willing. God bless you. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace, redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you, we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life 
we are cleansed through your holy sacrifice as we lift your name on high. Renew our mind, renew our soul, remove the scars from our past and deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five white virgins we will be. Your bride awaits the Patiently. Longing for that blessed sound that will rise, the churches gathered for praise. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.